Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Sia. I am with Draftmaster Flex, and this is your PGA live stream, The Win Daily Show. Joel, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Can't complain. I had uh, a one of my better weeks from the week long standpoint last week, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I want to carry some momentum in this week. It's going to be a tough one, but more importantly. Happy birthday, see ya. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, it is my birthday today. Honestly, I forget until somebody reminds me with like a, a, a <laughs> nice, pleasant, happy birthday. I guess when you get to my advanced age, uh, <clears throat> hashtag Michael Raziel, uh, we have some funny uh, <laughs> we have some funny quips about each other's ages. But um, yeah, man, I, I hadn't really given it much thought. And, you know, like I'll get a call or I'll get a, a text or something on social media being like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's my birthday. So, yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. Um, it is indeed a happy birthday. It's so funny because this is not a flex, I promise. But so I was doing First Cut yesterday with, with Rick and, and Greg Ducharme, and I love doing that show. And part of the reason I love doing that show, Joel, is because it forces me really to do research starting like kind of Saturday, Sunday, because we have a preview show now that we do on Sunday night. And then, of course, pricing comes out Monday morning, and that's sort of where it ramps up. But my point is, it's funny because everybody kind of hates Mondays. Everybody kind of hates Tuesdays. Wednesdays, it, you're kind of like almost there. At, you know, you can kind of see like the rainbow a little bit. And then, boom, you know, Thursday and Friday. But like, I now get so excited. I mean, hopefully I have a sweat on Sunday for golf. But I get so excited now, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, because A, we get to do these shows and B, like pricing comes out, I get to start doing lineups. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like this stuff fascinates me. And the fact that it's not like, you know, NFL I love, right? And and I do a lot of stuff for Wind Daily Sports with the NFL. But, you know, that's 17 weeks long and then you get the playoffs and then you're done. And then you have to wait six, seven months until the preseason starts. Golf is year round with the exception of like the holiday season in December, pretty much the month of December. You've got golf basically 11 to 11 and a half months out of 12 in a year. And Joel, I don't know how you feel about that, but like, that's pretty freaking cool. Well, I was going to say your sentiment, like if you actually sit back, you have to sit back and think about it, but your sentiment is spot on in that building the lineups, preparing for the week. That's the fun of DFS, right? Waiting on Sunday is just stressful. It's like, am I going to lose money? Am I going to win money? Like, what's good? It's not like, that's not as fun as doing the process right the process is what's fun and then obviously you hope you win and if you win obviously that's yeah, no one's upset about winning but the the act it's like no i think of it as building a puzzle right how can i best put these pieces together to get me a successful puzzle and so that's what we're doing all week that's my hobby it's a puzzle but my puzzle is dfs and, and, and i guess the the point i'm trying to make is how cool is it that our hobby is sort of, and it's like the building, almost like in a fantasy football draft where it's like the draft is almost more fun than how the season yeah. plays out because you're just all, you know, you're so excited. You want to stare at the draft board immediately after everybody's done the draft. Like Monday and Tuesday is sort of that fantasy football draft for me. If you know what I'm saying, like, it's like, oh, I, I'm just starting to see the player pool. I can build my lineup. And then, you know, Wednesday hits and then, and, and then all of a sudden the stress starts to set. And it's like, <laughs> I, did I do? Because Monday, Tuesday, like we're here right now. There's really no stress. Right, we're, we're kind of like, well, I'm tickering with this, tickering with that, and then Wednesday night, man. I, I don't know about you, and by the way, we will get into the Byron Nelson in a second, but I don't know about you, but 
I legitimately get stressed out on Wednesday night. And it's partly because I do put a decent amount of money on the line. But it's also because we have subscribers at Wind Daily Sports who, who want to know, you know, what we have in mind in terms of picks and fades and things of that nature. We're up in Discord really late Wednesday night and really kind of throughout the week. You know, I've been in there today as well, of course, with the with the golf community. But it's sort of stressful. And then Thursday, and then like, did, did any of your players bomb? And then Friday, it's the cut sweat. And then Saturday, you're hoping if you got six for six or five out of I mean, it's the range of emotions from Monday through Sunday afternoon is is kind of volatile. And I, I guess that makes it even more interesting, but like kind of stressful at the same time. Uh, let's see. We got some comments here before we break out into it. Sky, happy birthday. Thank you for joining us as usual, Sky. And then we've got um Azen shorty uh happy birthday i appreciate that uh, i know he's been in this this chat before and then this is my okay so austin you know i don't know s guy and, and Azen shorty um super well obviously like we've never met before they're just in our, our wind daily community so we appreciate them austin however joel are you ready for this are you sitting down yeah austin has been my best friend since first grade See, no, I'm a little upset that I didn't know that because I've seen Austin on our comments before. I know he's been on our show, and now I'm just learning that he's been your best friend since first grade. It's funny you say that because the first moment, the first moment where he came into this chat, this is months ago. You probably, you remember, he's just kind of popped in. I referenced him, and I referenced his comment. And he texts me later on and he's like, he's like, see, you're not even going to drop like the fact that I'm your friend. Like, it didn't even occur to me. And, you know, part of, part of me was like, well, no, I kind of want to pretend you're just like a, like a casual fan of the show. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want that tie to be uh, so binding, if you will. But now Austin's a good dude. Uh, he's, he's texted me already. Happy birthday. But he's nice enough to jump in here. He'll probably be trolling later. He is like the king of trolls, um, yeah. by the way. So especially football season, he jumps in here for our, for our um, Wednesday night show, which hopefully, Joel, you'll have time for. Uh, when football season comes around because man, I, I already can't wait. There's already people talking smack to me about the Cowboys and how much better they are than Washington. I'm like, Oh man, you don't like, okay. It's, it's nice that Dallas built a fantasy football team that everybody thinks is good, but like they have no defense and their offensive line is withering away year by year. So give me Washington. Just, just to be clear, you're not even going to mention the giants. Just not even concerned. Just I mean, even- I'll say this. It wouldn't shock me if the Giants finished ahead of the Cowboys. Washington winning the NFC East. I'm I'm just telling you that right now. Lock that in. Um, All right, so let's get to some golf. So a couple things. We got the Byron Nelson. And Joel, as you know, this is a brand new golf course. And what I mean by that is it has we haven't played this on the PGA Tour. There were a couple events back in, I think, 2012, 2009. These are Corn Ferry Tour events. Course history, which I know you love, uh, we're not going to have that here. So we're going to be relying, of course, on, you know, recent form and and just, you know, strokes gain metrics and, you know, dating back to, you know, however long we want to go. My, my typical, we talked about this a little bit last week, but, you know, I go back 36 rounds usually. I'll go back further and sometimes I'll shorten it to, to 12 rounds depending on which player I'm looking at. Um, obviously, you know, when it comes to guys like DJ, who, of course, withdrew, I kind of know his pedigree. So I don't necessarily need to go as far back with him uh, than I might, you know, somebody somebody that might be kind of newer on the scene. But anyway, DJ's gone here, Joel. So first of all, before we get into this elite upper tier, tell me your thoughts on this tournament. Are, are you excited about it? When you saw pricing, was it kind of like, man, this this pricing's kind of weird? I thought the pricing was a little bit weird. Um, were you able to build lineups already where you're like confident or, or like what, what? How are you sizing this tournament up? So you're right. I mean, there's a few things to look at. I think it, the challenge this week is that 
There's no course history. And it's not just that there's no course history to go off of. We don't get as much of the statistics that we want to prioritize because it hasn't been played before professionally. So uh, it's really kind of have to lean on recent form just because there's really not all that much to lean on. Now, there's a few things that, you know, I'm going to prioritize things like uh, scoring opportunities and burning or better percentage. And I think I want to prioritize the length a bit this week, uh, mm-hmm. longer hitters. But for the most part, I'm weighing that stuff less than normal. And I think recent form and uh, the biggest factor for me is going to be, you know, salary adjustments, right? Like who can we find that seems to be better than the price that DraftKings gave? And that's how I think we need to kind of build for this week. So it's going to be more challenging, but I think that's going to be fun. I think it should give more of an advantage to the people who are watching our show or are doing the work all week to prepare. That's true. I mean, I, I think this sort of goes without saying for every tournament, but it's it's not necessarily true. And and lo, lo, I, I should have I should have closed with that statement instead of opened with it. But finding value is always important. But I think finding value in this tournament is extremely important, especially the way the pricing is. So I think there's like some guys that are kind of obvious value, like Doug Gim is going to be really popular. He's probably going to be twenty percent plus because listen, he's a great ball striker and he's only seventy five hundred in a, in a tournament where you have guys that are in the 8,000s that are typically in the low 7s or the mid 7s, you know, that that that's a that's a pretty big deal to get a Doug Gim at 7,500 in spite of his woes, you know, around the green and, and on the putting surface. So the, I guess the question is for tonight as we go through this tier uh, or all these tiers is where is that sort of Doug Gim value? And by the way, I'm not saying you have to play Doug Gim. I mean, he's a complete disaster on the greens. But I will say that he does appear to be the best value on the board. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. If you want to put him in your – if you want to lock him in your cash games, that's great. If you want to put him in your GPPs, that's fine too. But if you're in like, you know, the 150 max or even 20 entry max, you know, the, those types of things, you, you do have to consider that he will be chalky. I mean, I think in a single entry, I personally – I'm not going to mind playing like a, a couple chalky guys – get different elsewhere but that's a speech for another time let's get to this elite range joel oh by the way sticks picks might join us later he might not he's on a, he's on a different show right now he's a guest on i believe um andy lack's podcast which by the way is great i think it's called pick the pup uh, i was on it a couple weeks ago and andy lack is a is a very strong mind in this uh in this dfs and betting uh field uh so check him out but uh okay so dj's a withdrawal so we have bryson Heavy hitter. We have John Rahm. We have Jordan Spieth. We have Hideki. We have Daniel Berger. And before I even ask you who you like here, Joel, uh, l- let me just set the set the kind of groundwork. I do want to get your opinion. This does seem to be a pretty scorable, easy course. It does seem to benefit guys that are going to be long off the tee uh, in particular. But Joel, what's your take on that? Do, do you agree with that, or do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think uh, length, long off the tee, is definitely something that one of the attributes that I'm kind of looking for this week. I think I'm also going to go back to long irons. I think we've seen in the last few tournaments with some of these longer courses that a lot of guys who aren't long off the tee but do um, have some some length on their irons have been excelling. So I'm, I want to make sure I kind of get that even balance there and find those guys as well because there's not a big difference. If you hit you know a 350-yard drive and mess up the next shot versus a guy who hits a 300-yard drive and – you know, can hit a better 200-yard iron shot, right? That's it's the same thing. So um, so that's kind of how I'm looking. I want to make sure I get the right balance. And what, like I think I mentioned last week, something I'm still doing, and I'm trying to just kind of mess with a little bit, worked for me a little bit last week. Um, I think, I think, and I could be wrong, uh, from a week-long perspective, I've been overvaluing approach um, from the standpoint of, like like you mentioned earlier, right? Like Doug Gibbs seems like an obvious play because 
He's just a better approach player than a lot of the other guys that he's comparable to. But the problem is he's just so bad around the greens. Right? You'll find guys who just aren't good approach players, but they're really good putters, right? And they just more consistently score better and they do better on DraftKings uh, because they aren't having those issues. So I'm trying to weigh that into my models and and, and, and factor that in when I'm building my lineup. So um, it also helps with being different because right? everyone's kind of having, having – their approach players on how they're playing. And that's how you get a lot of these kind of chalky guys. So it also gives you a way to kind of get a little different in, in building lines. Yeah. And I do think this is going to be the first tournament um, really all year where I'm going to weigh putting quite a bit. Now I'm not saying it's going to be like 20% of my model, but I usually don't give putting a, a lot of weight. And I think Joel, to your credit, I think this could turn into a putting contest because it, it's, you know, the, it's just a gettable, it's just a gettable course. I mean, you are probably going to be putting, even if you're not like, perfect on approach you're probably going to be putting yourself in position to be you know 15 and feet 15 feet or in on the greens or you know let's say it's you know you're 30 feet out like three putt avoidance which i know you talked about uh, last week or i shouldn't say 30 feet because you'll probably two putt that but you know what i mean like i think putting is going to come into play in this course a little bit more and that's that's why i like certain guys but i'm gonna have to take a chance on guys that are just bad putters because i i do that all the time i do want to uh give a call out to uh pga splits 101 i think i'm getting that tag right on twitter it's at pga splits 101 if you're watching by the way you can you can correct me if, if i'm wrong about that tag but he actually was nice enough to reach out to me right before this show joel and he had watched me on the first cut and greg ducharme and i were talking about you know uh, off the tee versus approach and we had sort of come to a conclusion that even though it's great to be long off the tee here I won't get into the logistics of it, but we were going to weigh approach um, a little bit more than most people were going to. In other words, we were going to diminish off the tee, even though we were going to kind of raise it relative to other courses, we were going to diminish it relative to what other sort of talking heads were, 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 were saying out there. And that brings me to my following point. PJ Splits was nice enough to message me, said, I watched the show. I live here in Texas. I do want to mention to you that course is very wet it's been it's been soaked it's been raining what have you and he said it really is going to be an advantage here to be longer off the tee now listen i you know i, I didn't get into a back and forth with him too much i thanked him for for the knowledge but you know does the course dry out by friday i, I don't know you know I, I don't know what the weather um is like i haven't looked at that in terms of precipitation but those are things to consider like we already know off the tee is going to be big here but it might even be bigger if, if PJ splits is right about the fact that it is going to be a wet course and you're not going to get carry. And I also read this week that because this course is getting its first real PGA shot here, they're probably not going to want to make it its most difficult, right? Cause they're going to want guys to want to come back and they're not going to want to make it like, you know, stressful and guys hate it after they leave. So I do think it probably will be a lower scoring week, complete speculation, you know, basically using that based on what Z just said and what I read earlier in the week about, you know, they might want guys to do well, so they want to come back. So, if you know, a little something to hang on to. We don't have too much because it's the new course. But, hey, if we think it's going to be a lot of scoring opportunities, that's something we can factor in. Yeah, so let's get it. Let's finally get into this elite range, Joel. I mean, obviously, DJ is out. Who do we like? We've got Bryson. We've got John Rahm. We've got Jordan Spieth. We've got Decky, And we've got Daniel Berger. Um, one or two guys you like here. One or two guys you know you're going to play. So Bryson's the first and foremost. Um, I mean, if you want to start with length, you know, he definitely has that. I'm not sure if you saw the funny little tidbit last week about how he left, uh, you know, yeah. he missed the cut and he had to fly back. But what, the reason I mentioned that is because you notice that's an easy excuse for him to come back and just kind of be atrocious. And, you know, I was gone. I had to come back. But he didn't. He played pretty well all weekend. Yeah, so, he did. Um, you know, he seems like he might, you know, be dialed in right now in good form, heading into a place where length – 
seem to be in an advantage, and you know no one's going to hit it further than him. So a lot of things are pointing in, you know, he makes sense. Probably will be chalky. I think everyone else sees the same thing we do. Um, so you got to eat a little chalk if you want to play him. But but I like Bryson. You know, I, I like going back to Rom this week. I think people might be turned off a little bit by his performance last week. And, you know, he's pretty consistent. I think he's going to bounce back. And if we can get him at maybe five or six percentage points lower because of that, you know, great, perfect. Um, the last guy in this range that I like a lot is speed. I just think Spieth is on a tear. I think he's playing mm-hmm. really well. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to find those scoring opportunities. So while you're not going to get length or anything from him off the tee, um, I think the, the other areas of his game are too good right now. He'll make some putts, um, and I think he'll score well. So I'm going to stick with Spieth. The rest of the guys in this range, I just think comparatively to the field, are a little overpriced. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if, if I like those top three guys, I'm just going to have to fade the, the rest of this top range to, to maybe be able to afford everyone. Yeah, I think I'm on board with you. I mean, I, I've been kind of going back and forth on Bryson. I don't love the fact that he was pretty bad on approach last week. I mean, he he gained seven strokes with a putter total. And that's that, that's a total number, but he lost like five strokes on approach. So that bothers me a little bit. But then there's the reverse argument, which is like he still finished top 10. So, I mean, if, if he's like good on approach, like what does that mean for him? Even if you take some of those strokes away from the putter, um, like let's say he only gained four or, or this week he only gains four or maybe he only gains two, but he's, you know, plus one on, on approach instead of minus five, then all of a sudden, you know, you have your, your probable winner of the tournament. So uh, I get the Bryson argument and I love the length. So I, I'm going to go with Bryson and Jordan Spieth as well. I th- I like John Rahm as well. I just don't think I can get there. I mean, the, you know, the way the pricing is, you'll be lucky to get, you know, jam in one of these guys, let alone two. But, you know, if I'm doing, let's say, 15 lineups, I'll probably have, honestly, half of them will start in the 9K range and the other half will have Jordan Spieth or Bryson DeChambeau. And, and unfortunately, I'm just not going to have the room for John Rahm. But I absolutely get the argument. And by the way, I do think you're going to get the ownership discount because people are just going to be so enamored with Bryson DeChambeau. Um, they're going to be enamored with Jordan Spieth for, for all the reasons you set out, along with the fact that he's from Texas, which I believe Bryson is as well. And so John Rahm doesn't really have any of those narratives going for him, except you know the only narrative he has is he, you know he's coming off his first missed cut in a long time. So I just don't think people will be eager to click him. However, you are getting an ownership discount. And I will say this, Hideki Matsuyama, listen, I've never been a Hideki guy. I wasn't when he won the Masters. I'm still not a Hideki guy. He will be extremely low owned. So in some of those big GPPs, it does make sense to throw a few shares over to Hideki because he'll be way lower owned than not only this entire 10K range and above, but the 9K range too. I mean, it's just going to be like if Hideki somehow charges like he did at the Masters, you are you are getting a ton of leverage on the field. Um, any thoughts on Hideki? I mean, are you even bothering with him? My thought on Hideki is if he was 8,800, I'd love him. One of great play. It just this price is is you, you know, you really need to think that the guy in this price range is, is a lock for top five. Otherwise, you're better off just avoiding this range and building more balanced lineup. So mm-hmm. it's just hard for me to get around the price. But you know, I think you're right. Like if you want to get different in a GPP because his ownership percentage will be way lower, like I certainly can see him having a really good week. I don't think there's anything. It's I just don't love. Uh, his price tag. Yeah. I, is it possible Jordan Spieth just dominates this course? I mean, he's he, like his whole thing in the beginning of the year was I'm I'm good at everything all of a sudden, but I suck off the tee. And now the off the tee game is like kind of good. It's kind of like a home game for him. I'm just like, I, you know, as much as I like Bryson, I'm like, do I, who do I expect? Let answer this question. If I told you one guy's going to run away with this tournament, I understand Bryson's the heavy hitter and all this stuff. So this one guy's going to run away with the tournament. 
I mean, wouldn't the answer be Jordan Spieth? And maybe Bryson's number two in, the, in, that, in that answer, but I just feel like it's Jordan Spieth. Am I wrong? So I have a different take on that, actually. I mm-hmm. think, in my opinion, I think if, if one guy was going to run away and dominate, I think it would be Bryson. Because if he's dialed in with his irons and out driving everybody, he could win. You know, he can go, you know, a few strokes under par below anyone else. I think Jordan is more likely to be in the mix. You know, whereas Bryson's mm-hmm. more volatile. Well, he could also implode and then just, like, you know, miss the cut or something. Whereas I feel like Jordan's more likely just to be a top 10, safer. He's going to be there. Uh, but I don't see him as much just running away with it, you know, winning by four strokes as I would Bryson. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, Bryson's always going to have the low floor, highest ceiling. But, he, you know, it's funny because here there's not much trouble. So I just don't see Bryson, you know, having that low floor. So, again, I'm making your argument instead of mine. So let me ask you a quick question because mm-hmm. something I was thinking about with Bryson is because he drives it so far, right, he's obviously the longest driver on tour. And because yep. his approach numbers are so poor, what that means is he's crushing the ball He's having the easiest iron shots and missing them. So he's he's making the lowest irons and just missing them and not doing well with them. Yeah, no, that's the thing is I'm not looking at his proximity numbers right now, but but that's the thing is like, I I think it's those shorter proximities that he's having trouble with. You know, what I mean by that is like, I think it's like the 125 to 175 that he's actually been having the issues with as opposed to 175, you know, 200 plus. I mean, last week might be a different story, but I've noticed that he's he's been crushing the ball and getting in great position. I'm talking dating back to like February, but it's not paying off because he's still 15 feet from the hole. And the guy who was 50 yards be- behind him is, you know, 10 feet from the hole. It just it's not making a lot of sense. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the issue is there, but it's a good point. Um, but you're right. If that's dialed in, you know, he absolutely could run away with it. Speaking of running away with it, I mean, this 9K range, I, I think all of these guys, maybe with the exception of one or two, are definite like top contenders for this tournament and and i love starting your lineups in this range especially the way the pricing is um i'll tell you just guys i I can make an argument for so many guys so it's almost like do i make an argument against somebody before i I kick it to you i'll I'll tell you i like brooks i think he's an an unknown for obvious reasons but he rates out really well i like him a lot i like will zalatoris another guy that's kind of playing at home grew up on this course his approach numbers, if we're going to emphasize that, which we always do, but if we're going to maybe look at that versus off the tee, last 36 rounds, he's number one in approach, and he's like 36th off the tee. So that's sort of the, the contrast there. Um, then we have Matthew Fitzpatrick, who has been just killing the ball. I mean, he's he's been really good off the tee, way better than anybody thinks. Um, his approach games have been a little spotty, but we talked about putting. He is an amazing putter. So I like him a lot. Scotty Scheffler, another home guy. Sam Burns, I personally think he's a little overpriced. Mark Leishman, I have a feeling you might have something to say about him because I know you're always uh, considering him. And then you got Ryan Palmer and Sergio Garcia. I mean, you know, Ryan Palmer is going to be really really popular. Sergio, probably not so much. Again, Ryan Palmer's another guy who's from this area, will be sleeping in his own bed, has the course record on this course, has played it uh, according to a podcast he did with Garrett Johnson, has played it at least two dozen times. So, you know, all these narratives for Ryan Palmer make, make me think he's probably going to bomb for some reason, but I, I do really like Ryan Palmer. So I just went through the whole 9K range and I kind of didn't even mean to. That's how much I like it. With that said, Joel, I mean, I, I, I challenge you to try to only pick three or four guys here because they all seem so great. So, so give me three or four, or if you can, guys that you really like in the 9K range. I'm with you. I think this this is, this is our sweet spot this week. These guys, a lot of these guys can be, there's not a huge gap between them and the range above. So uh, I think we want to live here. I think Kepka's interesting. The biggest factor for me with Brooks 
is where his ownership is going to lie. Are people going to be scared of his injury? Because right now, I, what I'm seeing in some sites is that they're not, and people are playing. When it be, a lot of people are playing him, I don't want to take the risk. I'll let mm-hmm. him prove it first. But if he's playing this this tournament, which is not like a major or anything, that tells me he's probably feeling okay. I don't think he'd risk going out there this week if, if he mm-hmm. wasn't feeling okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to wait and see uh, what the ownership looks like Wednesday night to make my final decision on Brooks. Um, Zal Torres, I love this week. I think uh, he's been pretty consistent. You know, he obviously missed the cut at the Wells Fargo in 42nd, but before that, he's been ripping off top 25s. I don't think he's lost anything. Like you said, this is home. He likes this course. I think he's going to come in and, and, and make a statement. So I love Zalator. He's probably my favorite player in this range. I'm actually going to come off of Fitzpatrick a bit this week. I just think he tends to do really well at tougher courses. I don't think it's going to be that tough um, at this price. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and go out. And again, you got to make some tough decisions because all these guys seem to be good out mm-hmm. Um, Scheffler, I'm in. I like Scheffler. He's going to be long. Um, he, you know, he's pretty consistent. So Scheffler, I'll be playing. Burns, I'm thinking, is just a little overpriced. His form is great, right? He's coming yep. off a win at the Valspar, but you know, at 9.3 for Sam Burns, that just seems aggressive. And it's aggressive. Yeah, I can't pay that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from him. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on Leishman and Bomber. Leishman, I like his putting is so good that like he gets he can get a hot streak if he hits his irons well all week. He feels like he's back in a place where he's going to be competing consistently. I would have liked him $600 cheaper. It's a little bit of an overprice for me, but I'll be playing him because I just like his form right now. And you know what? It's interesting. I'm actually coming off of Palmer. I think, like you said, he looks like a lot of people are playing him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we loved Palmer. We were, you know, hammering Palmer when he was 7,500, 7,300, 7,100. Yeah. Now at 9,100, he's not a value, right? He's probably appropriately priced. I don't think he's overpriced, but right. um, it's not a value. And so I'm not going to be hammering him. Maybe he'll get a couple of my lineups, but it won't be anything aggressive. Yeah, and the thing about Palmer, you know, as much as I like him, it's not like, you know, when I built my model, it, you know, it's not like he was number five in my model. You know, he ended up being 11th in my model, which which is fine at his price. That, that's fine. But but it's not like, again, we're, we're, we're coming down to value here. and We want maybe a little bit more at, like bang for our buck here. So, I, you know, I'm going to have him peppered into lineups, full disclosure, because I, I love him and I love his ties to this course. Um, I'll probably, you know, stay tuned to the end of the show because we'll have some first round leaders and some outright plays and, and he is going to be featured there as well. But yeah, I, I hear you on Palmer. I do want to say this about about uh, Fitzpatrick because I'm not a Fitzpatrick guy, really never have been. And it's one of those things where sometimes I really want to ignore the stats because I, I don't believe in in this player in the, in this particular field. But like I, I'm having trouble ignoring the fact that in the last 12 rounds, he's first off the tee. I'm having trouble ignoring the fact that he's ninth off the tee the last 36 rounds and that he's number one of uh, this last 36 rounds, number one on the 450 to 500 range, which is where a lot of these par fours are going to be. Now, those are the good stats. There's some bad stats too. His proximity, we talked about long irons, 175 to 200, 200 plus. It's not great. You know, if you measure him up against guys that are in this range and in the 10K range, it's not great, but he's got the entire game you know so he's got the he's got the putter he's got mostly he's got a decent approach game and again we emphasized off the tee and believe it or not this guy is really rating out well so it's one of those things i'm i'm trending towards ignoring the stats and playing other guys i like in this 9k range like it, like for example for my 200 single entry like i don't know that i want to play Fitzpatrick. maybe i play him in my 100 single entry that's the compromise i make because i really want to jam in will zalatoris maybe scotty scheffler something like that but i do want to say that I, I agree with you on the tough course thing with fitzpatrick but man it's it's solid and by the way speaking of off the tee sergio is going to get ignored especially in these quote putting contests which we think this might be 
second off the tee last 36 rounds. I mean, he is a ball striker. Approach, off the tee, Sergio gets it done. It's just a matter of, can he, dude, we can't even count on him making a two and a half foot putt, let alone like a, a 15 yeah. foot putt. So it's one of those things with him where I don't know how many team no putt guys I can take, but I mean, Sergio with a hot putter wins this tournament. I'm just telling you, he does. More than anyone, Sergio, I think, is the biggest guy that can any week I could see missing the cut and winning the tournament. Every <laughs> yes. week, it's like, yeah, he can he can outstrike and make a few putts, and he's going to win the tournament. Or he can just miss every putt and make the, miss the cut. Like, either way, could go either I, He's the hardest guy to just make a pin on. Like, there's not mm -hmm. a really easy way to read him because he's, he's such a good ball striker that he's he has the capabilities of being in every tournament. So, Sergio's a tough one. I would never tell anyone, don't play Sergio. I throw right. like, you want to play him, go for it. Like, he's, he's a fair play, but you just got to respond to him. Right. Um, let me show this comment here. For, okay, so this is actually a Win Daily Sports member here. I didn't recognize the name. I should have because I, I remember it now. But anyway, she uh, this is a she, I believe. Um, she's in our she's all over Win Daily Discord, by the way. This is Yamazaki 2, 12. Um, so this is great. So huge fan of Frazier. Uh, we have this Frazier back and forth. I think Frazier is the best sitcom of all time. And it's funny she should mention that. Uh, and huge fan of Win Daily, so we appreciate that. So I, you know, I do my homework, Joel. I, I, I'm, I'm pouring over the stats. Of course, I'm building models by Sunday because I have the ability to do that, and I, I'm prepping for that that Sunday course preview show and Monday, and then this show, of course. So I'm listening to the Pat Mayo experience. Um, their DFS picks. He was doing it with Jeff Feinberg. It was yesterday's episode, I think. Pat Mayo. They're talking about Antoine Rosner. I don't know how how much of a fan of Frazier you are, but. They're talking about Antoine Rosner. Now, now Roz was the producer for Frazier on the show, Frazier. I don't know. I, by the way, Frazier was winning Emmys and or whatever, the Grammys, like instead of Seinfeld. That's how popular this show was for like six years in a row. It's hilarious. The point is, it was like this subtle reference and it got completely ignored. Jeff didn't even like hear it or didn't even say anything. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a Frazier reference. It's such a dated reference. The show was off the air like 15 years ago. And I was like so upset. I wanted to like, 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 say something on Twitter and be like really stupid, but I didn't. But I appreciate Yamazaki bringing up the Frasier reference because that is an excellent show. And anytime Antoine Rosner is in a tournament, I'm going to make the Roz uh, Frasier reference because it makes me uh, warm and fuzzy inside. So speaking of warm and fuzzy inside, we have the 8K range, Joel. And it's it's a bunch of yeah, I don't think so, guys, especially at the top. But then as you get towards the bottom of the 8K range, I start to like a bunch of guys. So before I even mention any of the guys that I like, tell me, who do you like in this range? Were you dabbling a lot in this range or were you kind of skipping it over because of the way your builds work? So not as strong, but there's a few guys in here that, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I like. So I'll, I'll touch on who I'm targeting. Uh, the first one is Siwoo Kim. Uh, Siwoo's been pretty consistent, right? And if we're, we're getting him at, at 8,800, which I would have liked him a little bit cheaper, but it's in range. But in his last four outings, he's got he's in the top 35. 33rd at the Heritage, 12th at the Masters, 23rd at, in Valero, and 10th at the Player. So he's if, if, knowing that, you know, recent form has got to be weighted a little heavier than we, because we don't have a lot of history stats, you know, he's got that. And, you know, he's, and he's a, a range lower than a lot of guys that I think he's pretty much equal to in, in the range above. So I like Siwoo a lot this week. Um, other than that, you know, a lot of this range I don't like. I think a lot of these guys are getting overpriced because it's an awkward field mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to, to build. But um, I will admit, I do want to mention Luke List. I think Luke List is coming off of a great week. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to, you know, you know, he, one of his strengths is distance. So if that's something we're looking for this week, you're getting that with list. We're also looking at him 8,400. So, the, you know, the price is, is okay. Um, and I like the way his, his ball striking is trending. He's on an upward trajectory where it's improving each week. So if he's found something there, if that's something that he's making a little bit more consistent, then he could be uh, someone that's maybe not just a blip in the pan, but an improving offer. Yeah, I, I agree with you about Luke List. The, the one thing that makes me nervous is, is he can be really, really bad with the putter. But but honestly, we're going to end up saying that about like half this field. And, and honestly, the last 12 rounds, last 36 rounds, he's been really good. Like Tita Green, he's been really good the last 12 rounds. The last 36 rounds, he's been really good off the tee. So again, these are these are kind of like, we're, we're kind of like building a story, right? He's been good off the tee. And then all of a sudden, the last 12 rounds, it's Tita Green. So the approach is coming around. Uh, the around the green game is coming around, obviously. And, and, you know, he gained last week at the Wells Fargo, he gained in every single Stokes gain metric category. So it, it's looking really good. It's just a matter of, you know, does he revert to his, you know, his bad putter, his, his, his previous approach form. I like him though. I just like him more for GPP than I do in cash. Like if you're playing cash, I'd probably just skip over list because I, I don't trust the putter. But yeah, he was in my initial Pixar article, which, by the way, everybody can find for free on WindDailySports.com under the PGA tab. So I like him. I want to ask you about a couple other guys I really like. Um, first of all, before I ask you about the guy I really like, uh, any thoughts on Aaron Wise? So I, I want to admittedly say first that uh, it was maybe a month or two ago, I had Wise in a tournament and he burned me. And he was the reason I didn't win a lot of money. So I have a little bias against him where I don't want to go back. I don't want to lose because of him again. Um, I, I, I think he's someone I would need to be lower priced to play. I think this is too much. Yeah. For a guy like him. I actually totally agree. The guy I really like, uh, that, that has been really good. Probably the last three tournaments or so he gained over 10 shots T to green at the Wells Fargo. He's just sort of continuing his upper trajectory. He just to give you a reference point there. He was third T to green last week at the Wells Fargo. That's like pretty good. Right. Uh, and he's 8,100. And he's been, that's not the only tournament he's, he's done well in the last few tournaments. It's Charles Schwartzel. I mean, I, I just, I think at 8,100, I mean, if we're talking about Doug Gim type value, which of course is going to carry some volatility with it, just like Doug Gim does. I think Charles Schwartzel is, is a guy that's like really, truly on the rise. What are, you, what are your thoughts here? I'm with you on that 100%. He's one of my favorite, I don't even know if I can call him a sleeper, but I'm with you. I think mm-hmm. it's just the way his game is, is the trajectory right now that he's on. And, it, and I think the sneaky thing with Schwartzel is this. The good form started in that team event. Exactly. We don't see it. So mm-hmm. people aren't, aren't going to see that. So it's like we know that because we are following it really closely. So it's been a little bit longer than I think is really on paper. And then he's continued that good form. So I think he's on a, he's on a roll. Um, and right now I think it's, it's a wave to ride. So I'm with you on Schwartzel. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was he finished second, as we know, and they, they, him and Louis probably should have finished first there. They finished second because Mark Leishman was able to chip in from like 30 feet, like literally chip in from 30 feet away. Um, that was part of the reason that they ended up going into a playoff in that one. But he was 21st right after that in 14th last week. I mean, the guy is the, these aren't these aren't like Punta Cana fields here. It's, he's not playing in Puerto Rico. These are like solid fields, including that match play, by the way, where he was also good. Him and Louis were both good. So. Totally agree with you. People are sort of, I think, kind of not dismissing him, but I don't think they're recognizing it. By the way, the tournament before that, he was 26th. So, I mean, he's basically been top 25 for a couple months now. And so what I'm doing is I'm running a chart, right, that will show how your approach shots have progressed over tournaments over time. Mm -hmm. And this tells one of the most interesting stories because he was constantly negative until recently, and now he's 
improved, improved, improved. So he's on this now this upward trajectory where it's 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 you look I look at him as a different golfer, right? Erase the previous because he's playing differently right now. So uh because of that, that that's the main reason why he's he's one of my guys this week. Spoiler alert for everybody that's watching. At the end of the show, we do our outrights and our first round leaders. And Charles Schwartzel makes an appearance on one of those two lists for me. But you're going to have to wait till the end of the show, which is probably like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, we'll tell you all about that. So let's get into it. Well, before I get to the 7K range, anybody else that's, that's worth bringing up? I was considering Cam Champ, especially when I thought like, hey, off the tee, you know, all, all this. But I mean, his approach stats are like really just, I, I want to play him, but it's bad. But I will say that there were a couple tournaments where, recently where he flashed and I was like, Oh, Oh, like cam champ is, is somewhere near, you know, the top 30, which honestly is like a surprise to me every time because of that approach game. But I don't think looking at the stats, I don't think I can include him. Um, and uh, by the way, I think Harris English at 8,700 is a weird price. He seems overpriced as well. I understand the field is, is kind of weird, but zero Harris English, zero cam champ. I don't like English. I normally don't. It's hard for me to get around on him. It's uh, mm-hmm. maybe a bias. Uh, Champ, I, I could get around on it if you really want to prioritize length, but you're, I'm with you. His, his form, his iron play has been so poor recently. Uh, at this price, I just don't see the upside with him right now, so I'm, I'm off of him. The one guy I'll throw in, only a GPP play if you want to get – I know what you're going to say. I know I, – I, I like, I'm, I'm actually sorry I forgot about him, but you're going to say Keith Mitchell. No, 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 oh, no. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Jason Day. Um, wow. No, he's definitely, like, really high price, but he seems to be the type of guy – that shows up the week where everyone fades him, right? Finally, everyone's like, okay, we can't play Jason Day anymore, and that's the week he shows up. So that's really my only logic. He's, I, I can't really say he's playing well, but he usually – now finally everyone's like, okay, Jason Day, we tried. It's not working. And that usually is the week that he then turns it on and, and we'll get like a top 10. You can make a silly good team no-putt team. Like <laughs> you, you could literally start your team with like Sergio – then Jason Day, you're still going to have about almost like 8,000 per player. Go down to, to, to Doug Gim at 7,500. And then I've I, I got to think, like, as we go through this, we'll, we'll probably find three others. But, like, if you went team no putt for just, like, one of your, like, smaller lineups, just see how it plays out. I, I just I, – I'm going to go ahead and do that, obviously, because I think it's a fantastic idea. But, I mean – great ball strikers that i mean jason day's putting has been like laughable and and i I think there was a lot of conversation on twitter uh, that that i saw about maybe is it his injuries that are catching even on even on the putter like you know just bending over the ball and the the lower back and and all this stuff like maybe that's actually like you think it would contribute to his you know his like longer shots but it might be affecting it like sometimes it was just a month ago i saw him picking up a ball out of the cup and he looked so tentative. He was like balancing himself, like almost like a cane on his on his club. And, and I'm not saying that's how he does that every single time. But I was like, oh man, like this is not this isn't great. Like I don't I don't know if he needs to sit like a year out and really like rehab this thing or build up the muscles around the spine. But like, not a good look. Keith Mitchell, I think I'm going to have a couple shares of though. He he is playing really well. I mean, I got to hand it to the guy, and uh, he's he's going to be long off the tee. Um, and he, you know, he, he rebounded from a bad putting performance two weeks ago with a very good one this last week. Any thoughts on him? Maybe a couple shares of him. I think you're, I mean, his form, especially last week looked good. I mean, I have no issues with him at all, but to play him, my only counter to Keith Mitchell is his price seems to be based off of his performance last week, not his overall general performance. And I think there's other guys that I would put equal to him a thousand dollars cheaper. Uh, that I can play and you know, not just chase based off last week. But if you want to say he's he's found something last week and you ride that momentum, I'd be co- totally okay with that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You, you are kind of chasing points, especially if you measure him up against some of the guys that, that are lower 
uh, than him that that really have at least similar upside. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a guy like, for example, Patton Kazire, Sepp Straka. I mean, if they had like two out of three, like pretty good tournaments, you know, you know, you'd, they'd be up in that maybe 7,900, 8K, and then you feel like you're chasing points there too. So that's an interesting point about him. Okay, the 7K range, I'm not really in love with, you know, I've heard a lot about Carlos Ortiz. Um, we... <sighs> I personally like, I, I, I don't know about Taylor Gooch. I personally like Russell Knox quite a bit. I've heard a lot about Sebastian Munoz. I don't think I'm going to go there either. You know how I feel about Doug Gim. I am a pretty big fan of that play. I like Jonathan Vegas a lot. I mean, his off the tee stats are like pretty outstanding. Um, Tom Hogue, I like a little bit. Who do you like here? It's a big range. So I'm going to start down at uh, Russell Knox. I think, um, you know, we're getting to a guy, Tony, tied for 20 versus the Valspar, 18th at the Wells Fargo. It's two. Uh, pretty good numbers for a guy in the 77 range in the last two events. And knowing that we have to prioritize recent form a little bit more, uh, I, I think he's an interesting play there. I, I'm also going to go to Sebastian Munoz. He's missed two cuts in a row, so that is definitely concerning. Uh, but he's one of those guys that's got a lot of upside. So, um, listen, once, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to be grasping at straws a little bit, right? Because it, it, there's a tier of 10 to 15 guys that are obviously the best golfers in this field. And then it kind of falls off a cliff, and a lot of these guys are pretty similar. So it's just a matter of mixing and matching. Who you think can compete? Who's in good form? I think uh, Munoz is a guy that you know maybe someone I wouldn't play too much of, but he has the higher upside for the guys down this range. So he can probably get you in the top five or ten if he has a good week. Um, another guy I'll mention, you know, he's been playing in the Corn Ferry Tour and things like that. So uh, you know, you got, he's a step down in competition, but he's been playing well. It's Peter Uline, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that, that can really strike the ball well. He's done really well against worse competition. He's yet to really put together a, a really strong showing with the big boys. Um, but at this price and in, in this field, I think this is a, a tournament where we can take a chance on him in, in a better field. So I'll, I'll have him on my radar as well. Um, and a guy I, I like a lot in this range at 7,500 is Camilo Viegas. Now, you know, yeah. he's a little bit old, but, like, his recent form, I mean, you, you're not going to beat that at this price. I mean, in his last yeah, five events, impressive. tied for eighth at the Honda. He missed the cut at Corrales, which is funny because it's, like, the worst field of, of all the other ones that he did. Um, 17th at Valero, 25th at the Heritage, and 11th at, at, at Valspar. So if we're, if we're waiting recent form, I mean, you're not going to get much better in this price. And so, like, that's the kind of argument I'm making of, like, would you really blink an eye if he was 8,500? Probably not. So now you get that $1,000 discount and, and he can help you kind of build lineups with Spieth and, and Bryson and things like that. So I've played Camilo Viegas once this entire year. And I had him in my $200 single entry, which made five out of six through the cut line. Camilo was the only one who didn't make it. And it was at, of all places, Punta Cana. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here, man? He was in good form back then, too. It, so it now didn't, I have, that one didn't make sense. And now I have this, like, complete blind spot because I'm like, man, if you can't do it at Punta Cana against that field, like, how are you going to do it against these, like, subsequent fields? But he's doing it. He's top 25, like, easily top 25-ing since then. Uh, Greg Ducharme brought him up on the first cut as well, and, and he's a big fan of Camilo Villegas this week. I, I just, like, I feel like if I if I pick him, he's not going to make the cut. I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Like, I, <laughs> He's a nice guy. By the way, his backstory is really, really cool, and I don't want to, like, I, I'm a big jinx, man. I, I can't, I can't, I don't think I can come around on him. I agree with you. It's it's a great play. Um, 
Wait, so more, I don't know the backstory. What's the backstory? So I, I something he had some sort of like family or either a personal tragedy um, or a family tragedy. I, I, we're going to have to look it up. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But it was definitely like he's definitely had some some like struggles in his past, not with like, you know, like Chris Kirk type struggles. Like I'm talking just like some just unfortunate things that have happened in his past that um he's had to fight through. And, and, and I think he's still kind of working to get his tour card. I don't think he has his his um tour card yet so anyway well i'll, I'll research that story because i actually think it's worth probably like reporting on i just don't know the particulars of it but but i will say this russell knox um second in the field last week at the wells fargo t to green so the recent form is there by the way the last 12 rounds uh he is top 15 t to green so that game is really coming around i don't know if you remember russell knox from a few three four years ago just a super solid ball striker who just got the ball from a to b to c um, he hadn't done that for a couple of years and it looks like it is a short sample size, but it looks like it's coming around. And then again, Vegas, by the way, Jonathan Vegas, number one off the tee at the Wells Fargo. And he's a classically great off the tee, obviously. Um, his approach game is where it's maybe a little spotty. Um, the short game is a little spotty for him sometimes. But again, he's also going to be featured at the end of this show with uh, our first round leader and our outright plays. Um, but I don't think I have much to add with your 7K range. Uh, I, I agree with you on Russell Knox. Um, we, you know, again, we mentioned Doug Gim. I'll probably throw in, I, I think Sepp Strzok is an interesting play. One of the... Um, one of the Wind Daily subscribers was was talking to me about him earlier. I took a second look, and I do I do kind of endorse that play. His recent form is good, and I'm going to go go ahead and throw Tom Lewis in there too. Now, Tom Lewis was my secret weapon last week. For those of you listening, um, the secret weapon is a guy I pick every single week. I've been doing it for 41 weeks now, and it's a guy that's under 7K in DraftKings, so he's priced 6,900 or below. And it has to be to qualify as a secret weapon. It has to be ownership of less than 5% for this individual. So it's basically a, a super contrarian play in the 6K range, which you might say, well, well they're all contrarian in the 6K range. Well, well, they're not really, because usually like the, the community just sort of like gloms on to like three or four guys, they're over 5%. And then you have, you're kind of stuck with like a bunch of scraps. So I lost last week. So now that record is 34 wins, seven losses, 34 times. I've picked the secret weapon, that 6K guy who has been, less than 5% ownership has made the cut. And a lot of times has like top 10 or top 20. Um, Tom Lewis was my guy last week. He let me down. He was on the wrong side of the weather, by the way, um, because there was a weather edge last week. I just think he's a sneaky play. Tom Lewis, I think is, is a good enough ball striker to get it done here. And at 7K, I think he is with, with, with such a, it's kind of like a terrible range that you have. Yeah, a couple guys that maybe flash, like the Sepp Strakas, maybe the Vegas is, maybe you want to take a flyer on John Caitlin. But I think, I think Tom Hogue is another one, but I think um, I think I'm going to roll with uh, Tom Lewis again. Uh, I, I liked him last week for a reason, so I'm not going to just pivot off of him here. So yeah, that that salary savings at 7K flat versus you know a 77, it's significant. It's basically the 6K range, so you can really get more creative um, with how you build. The the last guy I want to mention that I didn't get to in this range, that I, I do think is pretty interesting is Brand Snedeker. I mean, Snedeker has yeah. been playing pretty well. You're not going to get a lot of distance off the tee from him. So if you really want to prioritize that, that's not him. But let's not forget, right? The leaderboard is not going to be all the longest hitters, right? So right. You know, that's something to prioritize. But you know, other guys will compete. And the price is certainly right for him, especially in this field. So I'll be playing a bit of him as well. So this is this is the man himself. This is Sticks, right? Yeah, this is Sticks. So Sticks couldn't join us today. He was on a different podcast. Uh, he'll probably be with us next week. But so he's talking about here, uh, Camilo Villegas. So thank you uh, for giving us oh. the info. So yeah, he unfortunately lost a child uh, at a young age, uh, and that is obviously like 
I guess, kind of like the worst tragedy you can kind of think of, right? So, uh, you know, battling back from that and, you know, getting his tour card or at least potentially getting his tour card, uh, that would be an, an amazing story. So certainly somebody to root for, which is, by the way, why I'm not going to pick him yet again. And, and I do before we get to the 6K range, which, by the way, I hate, so we're probably going to keep it short because I, I don't love a lot of 6K guys, but you bring up such a good point. Like, even if this ends up being like a bomber's course, which, you know, I think there's an argument that it is, but, you know, I think there's an argument that off the tee might be a little bit lower than approach. I mean, you can make, you can make both arguments and because this is a new course, you'll probably be right, at least before the tournament starts. With that said, I think what happens, especially with sort of the regular kind of like, I don't want to say novice, but like the, the, the community of DFSers that, they hear like a buzzword. They they listen to their first podcast. They're like, oh, okay, it's a bomber's course. Or, oh, okay, it's a short course. So, you know, bombers need not apply. I, I think they basically pick all the players that fit that narrative. The problem with that is the narrative is, is often wrong. And even if the narrative is right, it doesn't mean you should exclude players that, that are going to fit like the ball striking categories, but just happen to not be bombers. What ends up happening on Thursday and Friday in particular is, is a lot of these players, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, too. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm a novice a lot of the time not just you know fortunately not all the time but i'll be like oh man like uh i I didn't expect that guy that short hitter to be you know competing at this spot like it happens all the time like so being long on a bomber's paradise is 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 a feather in the cap it's not the end all be all it's not a, a definitive thing that is going to qualify you past the cut into a top 10 so you really have to consider that if you're hitting it straight down and you're in the fairway and your your, your approach shots are good and your putting's decent you're going to be good regardless of whether you're a bomber or not period also keep this in mind right oftentimes the bombers i mean bryson's an exception but other than bryson most bombers aren't the best putters right they usually are usually one or the other so when you look at that, you know, a guy who's not a bomber could easily be the guy that gets hot one week, right, and gains six strokes putting. And anybody who gains six strokes putting in a PGA event is going to compete. And usually the bombers aren't the guys that gain six strokes putting. So it's hard to predict that, right? You can't go in there and say, I'm predicting this guy's in a game putting where you can predict the driver more often. So that's why those bombers get played. But at the end of the day, it's the results. And if the results have to bear out, you know, what happens that week. Agree. Uh, one last 7K K guy I do want to bring up. Um, this guy was brought up last week in, in a big way by Rick Gaiman, and he came through yet again with his like fifth made cut in a row. He's a kind of a no-name to pretty much everybody, Vincent Whaley. I played him a little bit last week. He paid off. You know, the, the strokes game metrics, they're not going to jump off the page, partly because a lot of the tournaments he's been successful in didn't have shot link. So you're not getting that data when he was good. So well, at least for some of the time that he was good. So you got to keep that in mind. But this guy is like absolutely a cut maker. And when you're talking about the 7K range, which is like mining gold right now, a guy that's made that many cuts in a row, I mean, you, you kind of need to look into that and maybe roster him in a couple lineups. Um, with that I said, thank you him though. He's uh, lights out. One, I mean, maybe one of my favorite cash plays. GPP. I just don't know if he has the upside. Uh, you know, we need in GPP. Mm-hmm. We need a lot of top tens. We need all the guys competing. Just making the cut is not good enough. So, in a cash play, he's almost a no brainer. He's a great cash play. In a GPP, I'm not saying you can't play him, but I wouldn't be as heavy on him. That's true. It's interesting though because, you know, last week I had a six for six in the 200 SE. And it barely cashed, okay? And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm you know, like, I got a shot at like 50K here. Like, that's at least what I thought when, when at the close of Friday. But of course, th- that wasn't like a really scorable course. I mean, you were going to have a lot of guys that were going to lose points any given day, which is extremely rare. Here, I'm not so sure. Like, obviously, finishing position, you want them to be up there. But 
I mean, if you get hot even for like one of two rounds, if you're like, let's say, a Vincent Whaley yeah. and you get a birdie streak and, and maybe an eagle or something like that, like you, you're you're paying off your price. I mean, I understand the rest of the field can do that too, but you don't necessarily need to finish like top 30 on this particular course because you can pile up the points. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think some of these other guys have more upside. For example, Tom Lewis, I think he has more upside. I think maybe you can make the argument that Patrick Rogers, Scott Piercy, James Hahn, they have more upside potentially. But but I will say that if you make the cut and you're doing six for six, your guys are scoring on Saturday. Whether it gets windy or not, your guys are flat out scoring and you're not going to have to worry about like maybe getting like being on the outside looking in of of the of the cash. I mean, I, I literally on Sunday, I was beside myself. I was like, I, there's 1,100 people in this tournament. I'm one of 5%, literally 5% that got a six for six through. And I'm literally not in the, I'm not, I got in the money at like the, the very last moment, thanks to somebody's like, you know, bogey or, or somebody's birdie. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me here. I was like super down. Um, you're not going to have that here. If you get six out of six, you you are cruising up the leaderboard. So the 6K range, I'm just going to mention a few guys and, and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too deep into them. Um, Hank Lebiota, Hammer and Hank, I think he's a good course fit. He's been playing pretty well. Roger Sloan hasn't been playing super well lately. He did make the cut last week, but he missed three cuts before that. However, prior to that, he was top 25 in two tournaments in a row. I understand I'm doing some kind of like weird configuration with how well he's done recently versus, you know, you know, missing cuts and making cuts. But again, we're looking for upside. We're looking for potential. He has flashed it. I think Sam Ryder has also flashed potential. He's interesting. Uh, John Huh is classically a good ball striker. Roy Sabatini, the, the strokes game metrics, just they're not good, but he's a veteran. And I think in, in this minefield of 6K guys, I think he is a guy that could probably emerge if he's just like crafty and, you know, you know, is hitting the ball relatively well. Um, as we go down the, the, the field here, I don't really like much of anything. I will say at the flat 6K min price range, uh, I kind of like Chris Baker. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of rounds under his belt, but the rounds he does have under this belt, he's like top 25 off the tee and on approach, uh, to, or at least top 30, uh, which is saying something for a flat 6K guy. I think he's kind of mispriced. I think he should probably be, I don't know, 6,600, 6,700, something like that. So if you're really looking to like jam a, a lot of guys at the top, um, Chris Baker is your key to doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think those are those are good plays. I I I like the six K range this week less than maybe normal. I normally don't yeah, like. Me so too. Me it's too. really trying to avoid it as much as possible. There are mm -hmm. a few guys that I find intriguing that I'll mention. I mean, I, sh I guess he's technically seven K. So I didn't mention Seamus Power. He's seven K flat. Uh, but you know, he's someone I, I find interesting, especially with length and everything this week. So you can play him. Uh, KH Lee, you remember last week. He had um, you know, a strong start. He had a few good rounds. If he can just avoid maybe that one blow-up day, he'll be competing. So I'm okay with playing a few KH Lee. Um, see, I know your boy is Roger Sloan. Uh, he has a few blow-up days, but if you notice last week playing Showdown, he did kind of put it together. His approach was, was pretty strong. So if you're chasing that approach, I mean, at this price range, he's pretty uh, he's, he's a fair play there. Something about Rory Sabatini, you know, he's just a better golfer than probably this range. He's still yeah. not that great. And that's what I would say I heavily recommend. But if we're coming down here, yeah, he's one of the guys that you can look to. And then just to mention, the, the last couple of guys that are on my radar are uh, Teeter. So if you notice mm -hmm. his ball striking, his numbers, you know, he hasn't played in the strongest fields, but he's got some some consistent made cuts. So down here, that's something to, to look for. Uh, 
Bronson Berjun, who you know has a tie for 13th at Valspar, tied for 28th at Putacana. He missed the cut at the Wells Fargo. I mean, we're grasping for straws down here at the 66,000 range. And the last guy I just want to mention is is uh, Satoshi Kodaira, who got 11th last week and, and has shown pretty consistent approach play. Obviously, there the holes are there elsewhere, but if you want to look at a, a consistent approach player who's coming off a you know top 15, then then at this price, that's your guy. Yeah, I like that. Um, Kramer Hickok's another guy. This is, you know, this begs the whole idea of like chasing points. So I get it there, but he's 6,700. And if he, if he mirrors anything resembling last week's game um, and he looks comfortable out there, it, it didn't look like Kramer Hickok didn't belong out there on Saturday and Sunday for whatever that's worth. Um, well, there's two more guys I got to mention, actually. Oh yeah, go ahead. There's Tyler McCumber, who mm-hmm. I like him for two reasons. One if you're, if you're prioritizing distance, he's one of those guys that's going to be long off the tee. And in his last five, he has two missed cuts, but he also has a 22nd, an 18th, and a 33rd. So at this price, that's pretty good. That's 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 pretty significantly above the rest of this range. So mm-hmm. if you want to take a flyer on him, that certainly makes sense. But the last one, we can't give any form credit to. There is no form, none. Um, however, I just read online this week that uh, I think it was going around that he belongs here. And so he's going to know the course. This is where he plays. This is where he practices. So if you think there's an edge because this is his course and it's his home field, it's Sung Kang. Yeah. So Sung Kang, you know, this is his course. This is his home field. Uh, they all know him. So if you think there's an edge from that, you can take a flyer. But by no means should you be heavily playing him. It's funny because he is the defending champion, I believe, when this is played in 2019. But, of course, it was a different course. So it's like there's no correlation there, at least not much of one. But what's his pro- – oh, I'm looking at it now. He's 6,500. That's that's fine. I, I I don't mind I don't mind that play at all. Um, you know, obviously he hasn't been very good lately, but he should have. He like you said, I think he's the only he's the only member I know of of this course. And I, I listen when you're a member, and and then you get on the PGA Tour event, the course does play differently, like the way it's set up potentially. But I still think it's an advantage, especially when you consider nobody else has played here other than the guys that have like maybe competed here in like college events or happen to live within an hour of the area, which is a handful of people. But it's certainly an advantage to have been on this course for a, a I don't know, 20 years, 10 years, however long he's been a member here. So I don't I know how big of an advantage it is, but there's definitely an edge. It's some sort of edge. The fact that he's good. There's sand shots that he's just going to know better than other guys because he's been in that bunker multiple times. Other guys haven't. So there's got to be a little something there. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, listen, I, I, did we not bring up anybody? Should we just go right into uh, some outrights and first round leaders? Let's get into it. Let's get into it, man. Um, I'm trying to. Did we did we discuss Brooks? Oh yeah, we talked about him. Um, I was saying yesterday that uh, that on, on the first cut that I just think it would be so fitting for golf for Brooks Kepka to win because like all the heavy hitters are winning. Like Bryson won. Jordan Spieth is back. Rory won. It's like. It almost seems like golf is scripted right now in the sense that like if the PGA Tour could handpick these winners, this is who they'd handpick. And like the only guy like, you know, DJ's withdrawn. So I think the only guy left to like check a box right now in this moment is probably Brooks Kepka. That's just I just think like I'm, I think I have to put him into a couple DFS lineups for that like ridiculous rationale alone. Um, let's talk about outrights, Joel. Uh, do you have any? Just a couple. I mean, the, the thing, the tough thing about this week is that it's so top heavy. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing a long shot winning it. And I don't love betting the favorites just because I don't think the value is there to be a whole field of golfers. So um, I think there might be a little value on Siwoo at, at 45 to one. Um, he seems to be at the bottom of the, of the tier of guys that I feel like can win it. 
So 50 to one for, for a guy who I do think can, can actually go out and win the tournament, I think is pretty good odds. Other than Siwoo, there's probably not too many outright bets that I'm, I'm really that into. I, I think that Siwoo call is really smart, actually, at 50 to one. I do think he can compete on the level. And I do agree with you. Like, I'm going to give you four outrights. Um, I think I believe in all four, actually. But, you know, I, I kind of agree with this sentiment that, like, it's probably going to be one of these top eight or 10 guys. And everybody else is probably fighting for somewhere between, like, second and 20th place. All right. So I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud. I literally can't believe because I've never picked this guy as an outright. And the odds are boring and short. But I just. I feel like I have to take this as an outright because I don't know how much I'm going to play this guy uh, in DFS. It's Matthew Fitzpatrick. It's not even a good number because now that DJ is withdrawn, like all of the numbers like anywhere close to the top are like kind of garbage. Um, so Matthew Fitzpatrick at 21 to one, I'm just going to go ahead and endorse that because I, I just, I don't always just like blindly follow my numbers. In fact, I, I kind of buck them a lot, but the numbers are what they are. And I just, again, he has his weaknesses. Don't get me wrong, but I think, uh, I think he might have his game figured out right now. 21 to 1 is great there. Uh, Ryan Palmer, 40 to 1. Uh, I don't need to explain that anymore uh, than I do. I, I, I probably, after our discussion, I'll be honest with you, I think I might play him uh, like more in the, just, just maybe I'll just play him in the outright world or maybe like top 20 or something. And maybe I might avoid him a little bit more than I thought I was going to in DFS. I'll still play him a little bit, but maybe not as much as I was going to. Sergio Garcia at 51. Listen, if the guy finds the putter, he, he can absolutely win this tournament. He's got to find it for like probably three out of four days, which is not very likely, which is why he's 50 to one, but he's one of the best ball strikers in this field, period, end of story. Uh, the last guy, this is a flyer. I believe in this guy. I hope this doesn't blow up in my face. Uh, Charles Schwartz at 60 to one. I, 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 I don't think he can win unless all the guys at the top kind of crumble. Um, but we've seen that in the past where the leaderboard all of a sudden Bryson's not there. Jordan's not for whatever reason. Jordan's not there. Brooks isn't there. You know, whoever uh, Hideki. So at 60 to one, I don't love it, but I'm just, I'll throw a few bucks on that. Just, just for the sake of it. I could see Schwartz winning this in this fashion. He comes out and has is your first round leader that comes out to a big lead and then just doesn't blow off the rest of the day, right? Just consistently shoots maybe 69, 68, doesn't do anything poor, but takes that early lead and just doesn't lose it. And that's how I can see Schwartz win this tournament. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. One uh, more, actually, yeah. one more before we move on. The one more play I'll give. It's not a, a great odds play, but I just think he's gonna win one. I think it could be coming. I feel like this could be the course, and it's Will Al Torres. You're yeah. getting 22 to 1, where I feel like in this field, you know, he easily could have been a top five odd. So I feel like we're getting a little bit of value at 22 to 1. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but if, if that's the type of bet you want to make, I think he can certainly win this tournament. Totally agree. In fact, I'm pretty sure my book as of yesterday still had it at 28 to 1. And I, in fact, I took it because I, I'm actually kind of just remembering that because I wanted to look at how the lines and most of the lines adjusted, but for some reason, Will was still at 28 to 1. I'm like, all right, I didn't even put a lot. I think I put like 12 bucks on it. Uh, which is still like a good amount of money, but but uh, it's one of those things. I think if, if like most people who saw that number still laying there, they're like, oh, you got to hammer that. Like I don't really hammer outrights. I mean, it's kind of a uh, I try to make my money in I guess the head to head market more than anything. But um, that's a story for another day. Uh, first round leaders, uh, where you at? So first round leaders. Hold on, let me get my odds up. Oh, Peter. All right. So first round leader. I know. See, I was let me ask you this before I dive in. How many first round leader plays do you have? So I have uh, – I gave you four outrights. I'm going to give you six first-round leaders. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give three. I'm gonna, I got three plays. Uh, my first is is one of your favorites, Charles Schwartzel, I think 66 to 1. Love so if my, if my narrative holds, right, the first-round leader, that, that will be there. Um, 
I'm going to go back to Sebastian Munoz. I know we, we, we liked him last week. Um, he is a, he's a first time, first round leader type of golfer where it's like he, he can come out and have that, that one hot round. So, uh, Munoz at 80 to one is, is just a good number for me. So, I like that. And the last one I'm going to give at 90 to one is Jonathan Davis. Yes, that's one of my guys. Yeah, is it really? My guys. Yes, I love it. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's it. That's it. That's the third. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to go into like some narrative. No, like, like we talked about Jonathan Vegas already. He is not a guy that you want to support as an outright. I mean, he's just so you know, he's 125 to one. I actually did. So what I said this last week, I picked three outright bets to make as soon as the lines come out. Uh, Will Zalatoris was later. It was like two days later or maybe a day later that I made that bet. The The three bets, I can't remember, but I can't remember what the three bets were, but Vegas was the third bet. It was 125 to one. I put some small amount on it, maybe five bucks or something, but I like Vegas. I, I probably threw that five bucks away, but but the first round leader play, I absolutely love because he's a guy that absolutely, if he can get hot with the putter, um, you know, there's no telling what he can do. So they all, I mean, his game is, I think, in a pretty good place right now. That doesn't mean he's definitely going to make the cut for DFS, by the way, because he's in that sort of abyss of the low 7K range, but this guy has this guy has top twenty potential for sure, especially in this field. So, uh, can he be a first round leader? Uh, yeah, he absolutely can. Um, so that's it for your first round leader. So let me give you mine. So, I guess I should start with Jonathan Vegas. By the way, it's super annoying to spell his name. Like, I, like even when I'm looking at the spelling of his name, like I'm like I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like if I say this out loud, I'm gonna get it wrong. It's like I'm not looking at it right now. It's it's like J H O N N. No, it's J H J. J-H-O-N-A-T-T-A-N. Like, it's all weird. It's like Jonathan Vegas, and the, the H is in a weird place, and then there's two Ts, and, you know, like, sometimes, like, there's an O and an A, and, like, it's... That's it's why a, it's a, you know what the trick is with that, see? You just pretend, like, oh, no, see, I'm a last name only guy. I just write Vegas. Yeah, That's it. Vegas. Go, just Vegas. Vegas is a cool... It's a, it's you know? a see, See, this, speaking of Vegas, so I go for my fantasy football draft every year. I'll keep this really short in September. I'm going to put enough money on Jonathan Vegas, first round leader, to like at least fund the like, I mean, it's it's easy to do that at 90 to one, right? You can put like 10 bucks and like fund like basically your trip, essentially. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm going to have to put 10 bucks on Vegas and then I can like play the whole Vegas baby card. Okay, so here are the other five. I'm going to give you two short ones because... I'm going to go with the theme that guys who know this course, like literally know this course because they've played on it a bunch of times, are going to have an easier time day one than everybody else. I think that's kind of like rudimentary, like obvious stuff. But uh, I mean, I, I think it's like true. Like I, I, I genuinely think like the Ryan Palmers or the Scotty Schefflers or the Will Zalatoris or the Jordan Speeds are going to have an easier okay. time. Or the Sun can't. Well, <laughs> oh, that's oh god! I have to add another one. Uh, we'll have to check out what his first round leader stats are. Okay, so so Scotty and Will Zalatoris are both thirty three to one. Speaking of Vegas, thirty three happens to be my lucky number. I played in roulette all the time. Scotty, Zal, both thirty three to one. Both extremely familiar with this course. Um, so I like that, even though the odds are kind of short and not so fun for first round leader. Russell Knox and Luke List are both sixty six to one. Uh, I absolutely think both of them can be first round leader. I, I don't that that's. That's a fine number for me to play. So that's four of them right there. Vegas is the fifth. Now here's the breaking news. Joel, it is 9, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm about to tell you who the first round leader is going to be. I'm about to tell you who the first round leader is going to be on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to tell the world right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. 
Now, I know last week we said, we said, you know, put all your savings account on Emiliano Grio. The good news is we had Keegan Bradley two weeks ago. So we had a little bit of money on him, even though we were sprinkling most of the money on Denny McCarthy with our checking account money and things of that nature. So what I need you to do now, if you have expended all your resources with your checking account, PayPal, Venmo, savings account, ask a friend just to, to borrow some money. Don't tell them what it's for because you're going to pay them back right away. Right. So you just ask like maybe maybe a collection of your friends. Tell them like you just kind of need it for for something, you know, urgent, like maybe um, uh, your air conditioning broke, something like that. Something like not involving like like other humans, like something that's just, you but know, you should like, definitely lie and not tell the truth. No, you have to lie. You yeah, have right. to have to lie. Yeah, you absolutely have to lie. Yeah. So borrow enough money from your friends to pay them back and then maybe make like, you know, like a good like 10 grand for yourself because this first round leader is 100% coming through. Joel, like, like I've never been so sure. By the way, it's my birthday today. What are the, like, think about it. What are the chances, Joel, that on my birthday, I get the first round leader wrong? Like, is that even? You asked it wrong. What are the chances on your birthday that you don't get the first round leader, right? Right, that exactly. So, I mean, I, I is it is it even, is it greater or less than 1%? I don't know. I mean, if I've ever seen a lock, this is it. Thank you. Okay, so the like the birthday narrative, I mean, it's here. We're here. It's my birthday. It's May 11th. And I'm going to tell you who the first round leader is going to be. I'm looking right at the camera. On May 13th, your first round leader from the area, 40 minutes away. He's sleeping in his own bed. He's played this a couple dozen times, according to his interview. Listen, it's the man. It is the man at 50 to 1. Ryan Palmer is your first round leader at the AT&T Byron Nelson. Hey guys, that's, that's it. Just borrow all the money you can put that down, pay your friends back. If you want to, what if they ask, then pay them back. If they don't ask, then like, maybe they forgot. I don't know. Like you can handle that how you will, but you're making, we're making all the money. So you're welcome America. Joel, I'll take your thoughts. No, I think your thought process is spot on, right? I think he's going to, as someone that's comfortable at the course, he's going to be more aggressive maybe day one than other guys. And uh, he, we already know he's a volatile scorer. So his best day should be the first round leader. Like that's going to be a loaded score. So if he's aggressive and he hits, yeah, I think that's a really good play. So I'm with it. I like it. Let's do it. Let's roll. Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute lock. So and, we, and I looked oh. it up also in case you uh, would like to donate to whatever bookie of your choice that you bet to. Uh, mm-hmm. The odds for for the same thought process of being comfortable with the course, Sung Kang, it's 125 to one for first. Oh, if you're well, that's fun. That's fun. That's just good old fashioned fun. So, I mean, I think you kind of have to bet that so, <laughs> you got to choose a different friend, maybe a more distant friend where they're going to give you less money to borrow and yeah. just throw just throw some money on Sun King at 125 to one. It's the right thing to do. Totally. Um, Joel, I, I think that's it. So we have we have we're going to be able to fund the rest of Friday, Saturday and Sunday with the Ryan Palmer first round leader money, which is super cool. Do not fade the birthday, the Sia Najad birthday narrative. You never want to do that. Um, any other closing thoughts about the AT&T Byron Nelson? I think uh, it's going to be a fun week. I think, you know, if we're going to get low scoring, I think there's going to be a lot of trends. So, you know, the one thing I always do is don't get too high or low on your week-long lineups on Thursday and Friday because anything can happen. Just get your cut makers and then let's have an exciting weekend. Yeah, that's true, man. Golf is super volatile emotionally. And you got to, you know, when your guy starts off plus two, you know, through three, like just relax for a second. You know, he's he's an eagle or a couple birdies through the next four holes away from like all of a sudden being. The perfect example is Bryson DeChambeau went home and then had to come back because it was so like volatile that afternoon. Does By the way, 
the entire DFS and betting community knew the wind was going to pick up in a significant way. Seriously. Come two o'clock Eastern Standard Time, like nobody, like does he have a cat? Like he has a caddy, right? Like he has handlers. Like nobody texted him and was like, "Hey, by the way," like none of his friends play DFS. None of Bryson's friends play <laughs> DFS, and they didn't. They, they didn't think to like the the few that do didn't think to be like, "Hey, Bryson, by the way." Uh, you, you might make the cut, you know, not that they knew he was getting on his jet, but like, Hey, Bryson, you still got this man. Like what, what, how does he not know that you're a professional golfer? I was on my high horse telling my family, everyone that, that I was like, listen, I knew the wind was coming. I played Bryson. He went home. He should have talked to me because all the guys did terrible that afternoon. He had to come back. I'm telling everyone, I'm a genius. Don't worry about me, guys. So, I knew <laughs> so we, you know, we, the Wind Daily people, you know this, you're on the group chat, you, you know, the, the one that like, obviously we have our Discord chat, but be, before we enter Discord, we're, we're like banding about all our plays and stuff. And I'm always asking Steven specifically, he's our like Wind Daily resident meteorologist. That's Steven Pilardi at Sicily Kid, one of our best guys uh, at Wind Daily, not just, uh, not just with golf, but at Wind Daily. Um, Steven's always given me the weather and he literally, I mean, talk about having it down to a science, having it down more than the meteorologist. Cause I was texting him at like 11 AM, 12 PM that day, Friday afternoon. And I was like, Steven, like I- I'm watching it on the NBC sports app or wherever I was watching it. And he's like, wait till two and then wait till two 30. Like you're going to see it. He-, he literally was like, you're going to see it at two. And then at two 30, it's going to start to like really spin out of control. And like, no joke. I started to see it at two and at two 30, all of a sudden they were like, literally like the tents, they had to be like secured with like more, whatever they do with the stakes, they had to like pin them down. And then boom, all of a sudden the number starts tumbling in, in my, my plus two, my only plus two was Shane Lowry. And he ended up making the cut because, because Steven is a meteorologist. No, I need to back you on that. I had saw the weather before and was like iffy on it eh, i'm not sure and then after seeing what steven was saying i was like oh okay i'm in and i played it and i played the friday morning guys and it, and it helped and, and by the way for those of you still listening I, I hope you are but we get into discord usually late wednesday night i give out my secret weapon in discord exclusively in discord wednesday night but a lot of times we can't hammer down the weather until Wednesday night. Like we don't really have a definitive opinion. I mean, we have, we can go on Windfinder, but like we don't really have anything definitive until usually Wednesday night. I was in there Wednesday night and, and I don't know how to get to everybody necessarily, but I was like, hey, there is a major weather edge here. People were giving me their or showing me their lineups. And I'm like, you got to change that. I don't, you don't have to go 6 0 a.m. p.m. But like certain guys had like, they were on the, they had literally six guys on the wrong side of the weather edge because yeah. that's just the players they liked. So my point is, for those of you listening, for those of you listening that you're not part of WindDailySports.com, I mean, honestly, it's super inexpensive. There's always kind of like a, a ton of promos. We're always in Discord all of Wednesday, particularly Wednesday night, particularly w- late Wednesday night, when a lot of this late stuff breaks. So you, you kind of need to get in there to kind of be on top of the game. And by the way, I've been in other, I haven't been in all of them, but I've been in other like Discord chats and I just don't think they're as active as as we are in terms of like the writers getting in there and like putting out the alerts like, hey, man, you got to pay attention to this. This the news just changed. You got to do this. Like we, we really I, tr- I I know I personally I truly try to do my best to make sure everybody has the information. And uh, I can't speak for anybody else that does that. But the few that I've seen, like, I, I don't know if they're looking out for you like like. I like to think I am. So I'm just putting that out there for you. WindailySports.com. It's a cheesy way to end that segment by giving you the website. But I'm just telling you, like, I I really kind of believe in our Discord in not just golf, but in all the other sports. So um, that's a big part of the puzzle. It's a big, big piece of the puzzle. With that, Joel, we are done with the ATT Byron Nelson. Now I get to relax tonight. 
be stressed out tomorrow, be stressed out Thursday, be stressed out Friday, and kind of chill on Saturday because like I either made the cut or I didn't. I'm playing showdown. I got my head-to-head bets. And then Sunday, hopefully, I'm super stressed again because that means um, I- I've made some past the cut line and I'm, I'm looking pretty good. So we'll see. And, and to solidify, you know, see, let's not forget, it's 920 on Sia's birthday and he's still talking about his passion for Wind Daily Sports. So listen, the guy is, it's truth. It's the, it's not, you can't make it up at 920 on your birthday. You just can't. That's true. Like my only plan today was to, other than like the regular things I do every day was to, to, to get on this show. Like it didn't even occur to me not to do this show. I, I, I love doing this and, and I hope, uh, I hope people actually see that. I assume they do. I assume it's like very easy to see, but uh, appreciate you pointing out. Yeah. Happy birthday to me, I guess. <laughs> um, that's got to mean good things this weekend. So we'll see everybody next week. Hopefully with sticks picks sticks. Thanks for getting in the chat and thanks for everybody. Uh, thanks to everybody for saying happy birthday. I appreciate everybody. And we'll see you next week. Joel, what do you have to say? Happy birthday. <laughs> and sports. <laughs> sports. <laughs>